dear listener, and welcome to another edition of the Odd Job Pod. This time hosted by teachers who've won the lottery and have decided to go on sabbatical. <laughs> yes, uh, this is also a notable Odd Job Pod uh, because we're all in the same room together. And gentlemen, actually, I can remember the when the last time was that we were, we were all in the same room together, Terry and Graham. Um, it was pretty much exactly a year ago when I uh, came back over to the UK. It's almost become an annual thing now. Um, you know, we could start an odd job pod convention if we wanted. That's a g- brilliant idea. We should totally do that. Do we get goodie bags? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But do we have to invite other people, though? Uh, okay. yeah. There is a long list of people who want their picture taken with Gary. Is there? Is there really? Yeah, it all goes all the way down, down, down the hallway now. Oh, uh, that's them, is it? Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. I yeah. thought they were here for the beer. Which one of you tipped off the paparazzi? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Shoreham Herald is outside right now. <laughs> yes, snapped man taking bins out. <laughs> Um, yes, hello. This is uh, the Odd Job Pod. Those were the voices of uh, Terry DeFellin and Graham Sibley. I am Gary Andrews. I am in the UK for one pod only. Um, and so you will get a maybe a different vibe um, on this one than when I'm sort of half awake in Australia at 6am in the morning. Um, and it kind of felt fair that, you know, we should do a film that requires a lot of talking about, I think. One where there is a lot of discussion and one that divides rooms like nothing else. I'm pretty sure that, you know, if we walked into the, the crowd of people outside who are waiting to, to meet and greet me, half of them would be like, ooh, Quantum of Solace. And half of them would be, ooh, Quantum of Solace. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating film. So, Terry, I'll start with you. Are you a, ooh, Quantum of Solace? Or are you an, ooh, Quantum of Solace? Now, now I've always been an, ooh, Quantum of Solace guy. Ooh. Absolutely. I heard that this film wasn't very good before I went to see it at the pictures. And then I went to see it and I thought, this is a perfectly fine film. <laughs> I really enjoyed this film. And so um, I, in fact, it was in the very, very, very early days of Twitter. And I posted my reaction on Twitter. You wow. Posted, you posted yeah, a hot yeah. take. Using, using Twitvid, if you remember oh. that thing. Twitpic. And when they did Twitpic the video, yeah, remember that? Wow. Yes, absolutely. And I was on an escalator going there and says, yeah, it was all right. That was quite decent, actually. I don't know what the fuss is about. And that was it. Because that's all you got back then. Yeah. But, uh, which, you know, happier times. So, yeah, very much Team Quantum of Solace. Although, obviously, having watched it most recently with a view to recording a podcast about it, it is probably fair to say that there are reasons, and good reasons, why people fight, why for many Bond fans, this is not their favourite film. Mm. And, and Graham, are you a ooh or a ooh? I think I'm a oh. <laughs> Uh, well, that's I, neither one or the other. No. I know, you exactly. Have to choose yeah, one, a bit horrible, so. say, horribly centrist, that is, isn't it, for an opinion? <laughs> yeah, how well, is that fence underneath you? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Do you know what? It's a little incomplete. That's what this fence is like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my opinion, really, in a nutshell. But we have a lot more to talk about, don't we? I certainly hope so. We do yes. have a lot more to talk about. Quantum Solace, obviously, the uh, second of the Craig Bond films. Um, one that was, as most second Bond films tend to be, rushed out after the success of the first one. Uh, Eon had a, a big hit on their hands. They'd successfully rebooted the franchise. And then they got hit by a writer's strike. Hmm. So, Terry, this probably explains, I would say, a little bit of some of the problems in terms of the background to Quantum of Solace and perhaps why 
it starts from a place of not necessarily being as tight or as good as some of the, the really good Bond films. Yeah, I mean, I think when you have a problem like that with the writer's strike and you've got limited time to be able to get your script in and done and submitted and with, with, with fewer opportunities for rewrites uh, um, as you're going along, then you're always going to be quite sticky. But it's interesting because I do think that there are aspects of the film that probably you, you couldn't put down to the writer's strike. And, and sometimes you wonder, well, I used to work in a, a, a claims on a claims helpline for a major insurance company and it was always the claims that you recorded wrong in the first place that ended up continuing to have problems all the way through and this is one such instance it's like it started off I think somewhat ill-conceived and I don't think it ever really quite recovered from that mm. and, 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 it, and it does show in the, in, in the final in the final print even though as I say I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I very much like and enjoy this film Mm. I, I, I'm put my cards on the table. I quite like Quantum of Solace. It's a film which is perfectly watchable. It's a very, you know, it's short, which may be for some of its problems, but it's a very good evening of entertainment. Um, Graham, as well, they, obviously you've got a, a fantastically successful and very popular and, and critically acclaimed film, which is rare for Bond, um, in Casino Royale. And not just you trying to rush out the script through the, the writer's strike to capitalise on it, you have a different director at the helm as well, Martin Campbell obviously, um, declining to come back for this one. And so instead you've got a, an indie filmmaker, Mark Foster, uh, in, in the director's chair for this one. Yeah, and he wasn't the first choice either. Because mm. no. um, the first choice was... Roger Michel. Roger Michel, uh, thank you very much. The director of Notting Hill. So, um, so yeah, someone who comes into it late. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how to direct a film, so I don't know how that affects. <laughs> it wouldn't stop you, though. No, I, well, yeah, obviously. It because stop you having an opinion, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm a 21st century man, and obviously I don't know anything about this sort of thing, but I reckon I could give it a go. Uh, don't we all? Uh, and obviously it does. And, uh, and yeah, I don't think the direction of this film is is the problem no, not and all. and i think that there's actually a lot in this to really enjoy about it use of cgi is perhaps another thing that, that we can mm. it, it, it creeps back in again in this in this film um having been had such a terrible outing in die another day um but i, I think it's it's not about the directing or the performances i think what happens is, is that the directing and the performances actually make this this film it, it is the script it is the the script that is the mm. problem with this film from all the way through it's like it's a first draft that's being used yeah um and and, and to the <laughs> point where you think that it's they've left filling uh in, um lines in there and we think well we'll, we'll pad that out in later drafts <laughs> mm. it, yeah. it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if in one scene Judy Dench stands up and says Laura Mipsum at some point because I think that's that's how much you know that that we are waiting for for for, for text to arrive in in, in, in this. Isn't part of the problem is that Michael G. Wilson and Mark Forster were rewriting the script during 
production as well, neither of whom are scriptwriters. I mean, Michael G. Wilson is a ridiculously talented man, yes. but not not a jobbing at work at this point in his career, not a jobbing no. script scriptwriter. And that they're having to sort of like you know try and tweak this script when really it needs a professional script polisher to come in oh, and yeah. do it because yeah. you know they they employ they have guys like that. Yeah, but they were of course all on strike at that at this point. No, no, and it, and it's missing that thing that we have from uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge or uh, what any other number of, of good script polishes that they mm. have brought in to to the the subsequent films and the films beforehand as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the these are the things that this this film film is missing. I can see why fans of the franchise really enjoy this film because it's like one of their little hidden gems that, that they like because other people are left nonplussed by it. But I can see why people are left nonplussed by it. I can especially see why people who are into films don't like it. Into films generally. I mean, because I think you have to like Bond to like this film. Yeah. And I think. And I think it's fair to say we like Bond. We do. So, do. Yes. hence, we, we fall into that. But, Terry, you can definitely see what could have potentially been with this film yeah no definitely I mean I think that the problem uh, the biggest problem with it as Grant says is obviously the script but it's also you know, it's a it's a hurried film it's a short film um, but there's there's an awful lot there well there's not an awful lot going on here but there's a promise of an awful lot mm. going on in this film and I think that 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 causes the frustration I, I remember th- remember during the climax of the film um, and, and thinking to myself this is the climax of the film, isn't it? Yeah. I'm watching the end. This has come way too soon, and I don't feel as if there's been enough. I mean, what it does do is it does make you appreciate the uh, skill and the plotting of, 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 of historic James Bond films, because I think it's easy to, to look, look at, a, at a bog standard James Bond movie and say it kind of is. It's like out of the box. It's sort of like really formulaic. But, but the manner with which these movies sort of like bring the audience with you up to the point where you get to the ludicrous, often very ludicrous climaxes, you know, is a skill uh, and it, it, it's, and it's something, and it's a quality of, 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 of the, of these Bond films. And it was missing in Quantum of Solace that it sort of went from, you know, James and Felix having a very short drink in the bar to the climax of the movie. And it was very, very jarring. And I just thought, well, that's, that, that just doesn't, I mean, I, I'm still enjoying this film, but it just, you know, it all feels, and it still catches me unawares now, and I must have seen it about ten times, and it still catches me unawares now. So, so yeah, it's it, it, it's just a hurried film. Sony wanted this movie, the distributor wanted this movie out ASAP because they wanted to cash in on Casino Royale success, and then and then it set off a whole chain of events, some of which were beyond Eon's control, and some weren't. To produce this rather hurried movie, and yet it actually did quite well at the box office. It was well. the most successful James Bond film up to that point when it was released. Yeah, but this is because everyone had watched Casino Royale and realised how brilliant it was, yeah. and wanted to see the follow-up. Yeah, totally. And you know, when you come into it as well, you know, you watch the first few minutes, and one of the familiar refrains that regular listeners of this podcast will know is that you know a Bond film knows what it is from the first few minutes. You can tell kind of where they're going and if it gets that consistency wrong, it's not particularly brilliant. And Graham, I mean, this the opening is genuine, the car chase of coming in. Now, obviously, you've got to... You've had a couple of years since Casino Royale, so you've got to remember what's happened at the end of Casino Royale. But it's a, it's a pretty fast-paced start to it. And I remember when I 
first watched it, I went, oh, this is a great little way to start. Great car chase. And I was waiting for it to properly kick in into the rest of the film. And it kind of hinted at doing it and never quite got there. It's not quite die another day, complete pivot into nonsense. But that, that opening bit sets you up for something which isn't necessarily followed through throughout the rest of the film. No, and, and a great callback to, to the novels to basically pick up where the last one ended off. Literally picking up where the last one left off. This is like, must be what, half an hour after, after the last film. The, the, the great touch is when he uses the gun through the door that's been ripped off. <laughs> the same gun he actually shot white with at the end of, of, of the first film and you only and I, I i i did not spot that the first time i didn't probably didn't spot that I, the first I, four I times i didn't spot that at all no yeah. that's lovely that yeah yeah but it's that 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 sort of follow through there and and i suppose that's what i suppose you do get with with the with the fact that it does come out when really this is probably still doing the rounds on the movie channels um, so you are getting that thing of, of people watching it and still being up to date with, with, with Casino Royale because a lot of people came to Casino Royale after it had been on general release because there'd been such a gap. The last film had been such a turkey. Not There wasn't that much confidence in, in, in Craig as Bond. Um, of course, that was all put to bed with Casino Royale, but that came with time. It didn't come instantly. And I think it's, it is to their credit that they didn't just completely blow it with this film. Mm. Cons, cons, considering the amount of problems they had, they come up with a really, really good film. And this opening scene is just, just really does suck you in. It really does hook you because you, you're right there. No gun barrel. Okay. Right, we can deal with this, and and I know at the time Terry and myself, we were we were still working going, through issues. <sighs> no gun barrel, no gun barrel. No gun barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, we're, we're, so we had to deal with that. Fine. Okay, but then we're given this immense car chase, and it and it does lead you in with what the action's going to be like for the rest of the film. Now. I love a bit of action in a Bond film, but when it's being used as filler, mm. which it is in a lot of the film, then I, I get a bit turned off by it. I, get, I, I just switch off. It's yeah, 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 yeah. Here we come. Like high body count, lots of lots of guns firing, and but the start. I think it's faultless really, especially with with the with with having M there as well, coming to Sienna, the underground complex. Mm. Um, the interrogation and then coming out with the 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 the, the, the race around the, the the main square and in, in there. And, Those, yeah. um, I mean, I think that that's also a quality that Mark Forster brings to to this, and that's it. I think that I think that these are his signature in those moments. It's the chase through the crowd, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, really yeah. because 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 he, the, in a fun Mark Forster engages the the all the, the extras in with the movie. You 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 see the consequences once of the go. You get people getting shot, yeah. Uh, and this isn't, and, and it's it's quite vi- quite violent, it's quite brutal. You've got there's one sequence when you've got one bystander and he's looking directly into the camera. I mean that would have been yeah. certainly as a oh, we'll keep that in. And you've got you've got the bystanders who are what who, who, you know engaging with the film and with the audience in a way that you don't normally associate with James Bond films. And I thought that that was really effective and really really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it is a you know I think. We've we've already picked up early on in this podcast, and and most people do. The pacing of the film is is a bit of an issue, and but as as Graham said, Terry, 
while the action is used as, as filler, it's actually, if you took this as a as a as just a purely action film, if you take Bond out of it, it's actually a pretty serviceable action film. It's got some very, very well shot, very well constructed, very enjoyable action sequences, if all you want to do is sit and watch action sequences. Totally. It's a really, really good action film. And, 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 and but, it, but what it isn't necessarily is a necessarily a really good James Bond film. Yeah. Because it's missing some yeah, of the yeah, classic yeah. hallmarks of, 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 of a James Bond, of authentic James Bond. It's light on humour. Uh, you know, the, the villain is just, I mean, we'll talk about the villain later, but, but, but the, the, the villain's setup is not really ideal. You know, we, 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 you expect a little bit more ambition mm. from a James Bond film, a little bit more ambition in the plot. A little bit more ambition in the setup, and it feels like a taut political th- action thriller. And, and and it and you probably, I mean, there are better taut political action thrillers out there, to be fair. But it's a decent example of one. But yeah. I'm not certain that that is really what, as a Bond fan, I really want to see. And I'm quite pleased that they didn't go down that route. You know, after this movie. Yeah, I mean, if you want an action film, you really want your baddies to be stealing a, a truckload of bearer bonds or something like that, rather than trying to overthrow Bolivia. I think that's... Well, the, the... I want to see them try to hit James Bond with a tube train. That's, what I, that's the kind of James Bond that I want to see. At, at the time, it was again, I mean, I think as I talked about in the previous podcast... I was weary of the of, of the hijinks sort of like James Bond stuff and wanted the more downbeat, more mm. I guess it's a loose term, more Fleming like, although that, that in itself is not entirely accurate. No. But something more 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 lo fi, a little bit more downbeat. And I got that, I got that with, 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 with Casino Royale, I got that with Quantum of Solace. And so and so I, I have a lot of good feelings for that. But but I, I it's it's not it, it's more reminiscent of a Bourne movie than it is mm, very, a James Bond very film. Much, well, very much, very much. before we came on uh, on air, we on air, on air uh, <laughs> before we started recording, we were discussing actually that Quantum of Solace would actually probably be much higher regarded if it was, uh, say, a John Le Carre film ad- adaptation or a Len Dayton or Robert Ludlum. It, it's got that sense of you know spy thrillers that we we all genuinely like um, and are yeah. always happy to see any of those adaptations. I actually think it came out around about the same time as A Constant Gardener as well, which was a hugely successful John le Carre adaptation. But yeah, this is still not quite Bond, but it's got that, as you said with the first draft, you've got that, the DNA of what is probably a very good story in there. There is enough strong stuff that it holds together, but it, it feels like it could come from a different author rather than Fleming. Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. I think you've got to put the fact that that you know, we are living in a world now that's over fifty years since Fleming died. So, so the the, the whole story of, of Bond has changed, um, but you can see where the direction was going and and what Fleming wanted Bond to be. And yeah, the 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 Panto stuff that we were getting again with with uh, Brosnan and bringing back some of the, 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 the fun stuff that we had with um, with more. It's not that the, the, the Craig's film are devoid of those. There is little hints of that there. This one is, though. <laughs> this one is, yeah. This, this one, there's... Yeah, it's, it's just no fun. Mm. I think that's it. And what fun there is, is, 
is almost done apologetically. It's it is yeah. There's some really forced like like the seduction of of fields. Yeah. Is completely out of. Oh well, no, that, that, that's... I mean, it's perfectly consistent with the character, but it's yeah. totally inconsistent with the movie. Yeah, well, that again is is the is the the filler line. It's like it's like like purpose or way putting. Uh, oh yeah, I'll just put this stationary line in mm. there, and then and then we'll we'll flesh that out later. <laughs> oh, no, you won't. That's going in. <laughs> it's, it's clumsy because it's obviously to set up the fact that Fields is sufficiently engaged with Bond to be yeah. able to risk her neck to be able to later on in the yeah. movie. To, to, to be able to help her out at the party for which she then gets the ultimate payoff of them being brutally murdered yeah. but it is, it's, it's clumsy and it's from another movie yeah and she gets <laughs> you know. but that's the thing though I mean she's almost it's almost like we don't know what she is it's, she's almost like, like a Mary Goodnight in here really tripping up the, the, yeah. the, the assassin on the, yeah. on the stairs and yeah. it's somewhat a waste of a very, very good actress. Yeah, well, exactly. At least she, she, didn't, she didn't end up like like p- pressing a big button with a bum or anything like that. <laughs> no, but I mean that was that was. I mean, and I mean, I think that that Gemma Arterton played that role extremely well because yeah. she played it with a degree of knowingness. Side eye, I think, is the is the is, is the is the current, current. There's a lot of side eye to that yeah. role. She knows. Yeah. That she's basically being taken the piss out of in, in this film, yeah. but she and she goes along with it. And I think she subsequently said that she probably wouldn't have done this, but because I mean she's got an awful lot more cred than that. But it was a, just an odd thing because the movie's tone is not that that is not the tone of the movie. That's not what this movie is trying to say. Yeah, and yet it's a it, it's this kind of interlude. And again, it it, it suggests that a, an unfun, unfinished or an unpolished script. Mm. But going back to what Gary was saying, though, about the uh, about the the fact of, of this could be Ludlum or, or or Dayton or something like that, the whole positioning of the CIA and and MI6 now we've we've got them playing off each other, and now we've got geopolitics involved, and mm. also environmentalism and and things like that. All these manner of things being pulled in, and and. It really adds another dimension to the relationships between Leiter and Bond, which, yes. of course, is really... I mean, he's just been a sidekick of Bond throughout the whole franchise up until now, and now he's mm. not, especially in Casino Royale. He was given this role of being, basically, he bailed he bailed them out. He kept them in the game. And now you've got them, he, you, you've got them playing off each other. Light is not very, very sure about what they're actually doing in 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 Bolivia, and and Bond as well isn't sure about what MI6 are telling him to do as well. So there is a great feeling about mm. two guys actually in the firing line discussing about how they're going to get out of this and what the situation actually is. But that's where the film goes wrong. Is that 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 moment in that that bar scene in Bolivia yeah, yeah, where it's yeah. the two of them and it's like how long have I got 30 seconds at this point the pair of them should have been like breaking out and there should have been another 20 minutes of those two yeah, yeah. unraveling all of this stuff yeah. and picking apart all of this stuff and, and uh, I mean like they, they the setup was beautiful you've got like you know, everyone knows the CIA or CIA are awful, yeah. Right? And like, and and everyone knows that you know probably British intelligence are awful as well. But all right, friend, and you can buy into the whole centrist. Yes, but you know, as long as the right people are in charge, then it's all good, and we're all on we're all on the side of the right. But of you know, the, but you've got you've got this setup where you've gone, you know, you've got 
good guys who are aligning with bad guys. You've got this subplot going on where Bond has killed this special branch agent. You've got quite a lot of internal intrigue and politi internal politics there, an awful lot to unpick. And you've got, actually, you've got plenty of room in this movie mm. where you're normally expected in a Bond film for it to go into at least two hours and 20 minutes back in 2007, I'd say, if yeah. not longer, yeah. you know, to actually explore this. And you could have had a bit of a buddy movie in here if you wanted to, if you wanted to. And it's completely unexplored. In fact, they go straight to the climax of the movie. Mm. And that's for me, is almost like it's, it's almost like there's a bad edit there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's and it's really disappointing. Yeah, it, it's a it's a film that it's interesting actually because I've watched it quite a few times afterwards, and actually I think the idea behind the plot holds up probably better now than it did back in two thousand and seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how how you kind of feel, Terry, but my my thought on the plot is that this kind of real cynicism about world order and and as well you've got almost a degree of nihilism that is sitting behind it um certainly bond is there for vengeance as much as anything else you know totally he knows that there's a bit of you know where the wrong uns are and then you've got you know yeah you're bringing environmentalism into it is something which actually could very very easily yeah. have come in you know you could take this plot remake this film again today you'd probably make a slightly better film i would say but the film itself it holds up because, for me, there's enough in there in that framework and the plot, the, at least the plot being one of them, that it actually is a weird Bond film in so far as I think that bit ages better than, say, some other Bond films, which um, tend to get stuck very much in the moment. This is an odd one in so far as it, it almost preempts a few, a few elements of, of uh, films in the future where you know, environmental resources are going to become one of the battlegrounds. If you replace water with lithium, then you know you've got yeah. a mod you've got a modern story right here. Yeah. Right? I mean, like literally, Elon. We had Elon Musk saying recently that there should be a coup in, in a, a, an American-backed coup in, in in Bolivia specifically so that they can raid the lithium mines there. If you take water out of that book and replace it with lithium, then you've got an incredibly prescient plot. No question about it. You tell a different story now because the politics of 2007 are very different to the mm. politics of 2023. Mm. But, 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 but nevertheless, you know, in, you know, it's right on the money there. And it is refreshing to see a James Bond film that has the guts to actually address political issues, to talk about the fact that the the post-imperial or colonial powers do nasty things in, in, in third world countries and in developing countries and ally themselves with unpleasant people. And it's it's brave that they did that, but it's ultimately disappointing that they didn't explore it a little bit more. Mm. I wouldn't expect them to come up with some kind of socialist critique of capitalism and colonialism. It's a James Bond film. No, but it would have yeah. been good if they'd just explored it a little bit more. Yeah, uh, the whole idea of... Uh, of, of water being being the 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 thing that that, that people are trying to consult control is fun, is really good and it's especially good in for want of a better word underdeveloped countries because of the fact that that all of our food that is imported into this country is grown in in environments where they use loads of water loads of natural water there and and people are basically starved of water so that we get nice fresh lettuce in January 
Um, so, but and of course, you're not going to go into stuff like that no. in a James Bond film, are you? No, you're not. So but you can make yeah. shortcuts, though. To yeah, be yeah, fair. yeah, you yeah. can. The skill in a, in 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 filmmaking is, is that and it makes you, you think make about shortcuts. different things. Though, can't and you? there yeah. were some nice moments in this yeah. movie, though. I mean, like the, I mean, the the background shots, particularly in Haiti and in Bolivia, the poverty. I mean, like we're used to in watching James Bond film, we're used to seeing the high life. Yeah. Right. And we're used to seeing glamorous locations, but we didn't. I mean, we saw some wonderful, stunning locations, beautiful photography. But we, we, we were the Bond fan is experiencing poverty and experiencing, and it is. I think it's completely unambiguous <laughs> in its messaging here. Yeah. We were experiencing poverty as a consequence of people like James Bond, mm, yeah. you know, and and the people who watch James Bond films. And so you know, it is. It's turning things back on the view and it's challenging the audience in a way that no James Bond film has ever done. And I appreciate that. And I think mm. it needs to be said. And, and Graham, we talked about this last time with Casino Royale, but you know, if you take what Terry said further and you talk about that distrust of the, um, the intelligence organisations, again, you start coming back to Jason Bourne. Yeah. Lo- yeah looming yeah, very, yeah. very large over it. That you know, audiences are receptive to um, you know the CIA not being the good guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, exactly. I mean, the, both of the these films borrow heavily from from Jason Bourne. This one even more, even more so. I'd say. I mean, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we, Terry? That you just got to look at the action scenes. The action scenes are brutal. They're very close up. They're they're very fast. Um, uh, but there are some of the stunts in there, like the jumping through through the windows onto balconies, which are shot for shot out of out of uh, born identity. It's it, and so it, the hotel it's, room fight. The hotel room yeah. fight is is just completely lifted. It's, yes, it's, a, it's all it needs is the newspaper. It's a cut down it? version of the newspaper fight, isn't it? Yeah. In, in, in born identity, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which 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 is a bit disappointing because all right, you expect Bond to borrow. It's it is it it's. It, it, yeah, it, but it, it does go it's good. what yeah. Bond does. Yeah. Bond borrows in terms of narrative, definitely, yeah. but in terms of action, Bond is moves forward yeah. and breaks yeah, boundaries, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's disappointing yeah. to see that actually they're kind of borrowing the things that actually they lead on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because because as well, I mean, there are other ways in which it leads and it does really well. In one scene in particular for me is which has been copied almost in the Mission Impossible franchise is the Tosca scene. Mm. Mm. Now you look at that, that, that scene, that Tosca scene, and I think there is probably not not one better in the in the in the Craig. Damn thing. straight. And yeah, it's the absolutely. best one in this film. Totally. Yeah. Because the soundscape, the direction is spot on. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know if that was or not. I mean I don't know how much the second unit was involved in that one, but it looked like Martin Campbell had a lot to do with, with, with that one, but I mean, I don't know if, if that was the case or not. But it is beautiful. Now, there's a very similar scene in one of the, the Mission Impossible films. I don't know which one it is now in a theatre, and it's just got no, no, none of the of the um, yeah. of the drama. Yeah. It's Fallout, isn't it? I think it's, it's, Fallout, the, it's yeah. the second to last one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah as, as we're speaking now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's 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 too clever. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's a, it's all a big setup, and there's too many gunmen, and it's yeah. all a little bit confusing, much like Mission Impossible generally is. Yeah. But, but yeah, God, I can't wait to get stuck into that on the landfill. <laughs> <laughs> into those movies. This um yeah I mean that is for me one of the highlights, and again this is why I 
I don't think I can ever call Quantum of Solace a bad film because when it hits those high notes, it, it really does. It's glorious. You can see what's going on in there. You, and the got... production value. Yeah. It's a gorgeous film. Oh, it's really it's you know, beautiful you know, film. That's the thing. What you don't want to say is, it's, this isn't one of those albums that's got two belting tracks on it and then like like nine of, of, of absolute dross. This isn't one of those it, it is a sort of like it is a concept album that has really really high points in it, but the rest of it is maybe a bit sort of ahead of its time or a bit trying trying or, a bit yeah, yeah. they they've rushed this concept album out without yeah. fleshing it through yeah they're trying to make a they're trying to make a different type of James Bond film but they're but they're rushing it is yeah. the is yeah. the issue yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, and it showed all the way through the film we just jumped too much between two there's too much the the audience is being asked to believe too much. Uh, and there's just not enough. There's not, not enough exposition going on in the movie, yeah. and and unfortunately the movie's not skillfully edited enough to be able to convey the exposition without spelling it out. Unfortunately, and then you get these rather embarrassing moments where, in fact, you've got again. I go back to that scene in, in the bar in Bolivia where you've got like essentially, you know, like like a non, lighter as non-player character telling the telling James Bond where to go next. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie you've got Judy Dench explaining, Oh well I've squared everything off with the Americans and light has been promoted and you think, Well, Jesus, there's a whole movie worth yeah. in that line yeah. of dialogue there it, that we could we could have explored and we've missed if I feel like we've been watching the wrong part of this film. It's, it's Shakespearean, isn't it? It's yeah. Shakespearean like, 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 yeah, so, something else has happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While you were doing that yeah. <laughs> Like we, all of this was going on, and so well, I'd have liked to have seen a bit of that. Yeah. That's the, there's a scene, and that's the thing. And again, because the movie it, it, it misleads you into thinking that they're going to do that. There's that wonderful scene between uh, Judy Dench and Tim Piggott Smith um, yeah. and the Foreign Secretary, and they get into the real politic of the situation. Yeah, they? I've never seen a thing like this in James Bond before. This no. is this is. I mean, where, where are we? This is usually about megalomaniacs trying to like like you know destroy the world. I mean, this is this is like you know, the real stuff. It's good chunky stuff. Yeah. But that's that's all we got. Yeah. I that, mean, can, <laughs> can, can you imagine that that in the Roger Moore films? Not no. Yeah. yeah when no. they're the minister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Max Zorin is a leading industrial. <laughs> that was basically the the extent of political intrigue that you that, yeah. that you got, but you got you got a flavour of the kind of film that this could have been, and that you suspect actually wanted to be. But maybe at one, I think it got caught up by its own constraints because of the various external issues that were affecting it, the time pressures. But also maybe at times that it kind of forgot that actually it's a James Bond film and we don't tell these kind of stories. Yeah, there is this whole political thing a bit. This is this is post Blair, isn't it? And this is also two thousand seven. So no, I think it's well. No, well, I mean, it's but, 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 yeah, but Blair, Blair, Blair's been development. Yeah. Blair, Blair's on his way out because yeah. it's all coming out about the about, whole. Yeah, about the, well, it's Iraq, all got a lot of yeah. post Iraq War guilt going yeah. on here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what the, this, the subtext of the movie. Yeah, is I mean that's why you know you know like Dominic Green like the, the actor styled himself on Tony Blair because yeah. you know I mean he kind of walked back on that later because but I mean he did because yeah. you know it, there's a there's an awful lot of post post-Iraq guilt going on in this movie, which, yeah. you know, is fun in itself, but it's not something that you see in James Bond films, necessarily. Mm. That's the, the political element of this film is fun. I enjoy, I like it. Yeah, and there's, there, and there's plenty of material to be guilty about from the previous four, 40 years. Why are you starting now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's so funny because I think 
you know, where we're, we're coming to with this particular film is that we'd probably enjoy it and rate it a lot higher if it wasn't a Bond film. If you just had this as a spy film, maybe first entry into, a, into kind of a burgeoning franchise or something else, we'd probably be going, holy shit, this is a great film. Mm. Oh, we yeah. can't wait yeah, yeah. to see more of it. Yeah. And, and instead we've got a, oh, this is a, not a bad film. It's an enjoyable film, but I'm not watching Bond. No. And no. yeah, I, I mean, I think if, we'd, if you take it off, slap different names on different characters, we'd be like, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. want to see more of this. Yeah, we would. We'd be saying, "Hi, <laughs> Daniel Craig is the next Bond. He'd be brilliant at it. Look, <laughs> look how good he is in this film. <laughs> look at he, look at look how good he is in Another Way to Die. It's, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, they just called it Another Way to Die <laughs> and just like not made it a James Bond film. It would have been brilliant. Yeah. We'd we, have had it in the action movie land. We would have done. Yeah. yeah. Well, mind you, it would have been just out. Of oh yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a film. Let's not get into that. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, and, and so. This is, I think, where the, the mixed feelings come from. But also, I mean, Terry, we've, we've talked a lot about the background to the film, the pacing, the narrative. There, there is a lot to enjoy in here. Part of the... And again, I almost feel with the, the cast as well, there's a bit of... of and the, the characters, there's a bit of a division because I don't dislike Green as a villain at all. No. I don't dislike Camille as a Bond girl. But there's something about it where it just feels that there's... You've, you're missing a little bit out of both of them to elevate them up a bit further Wait. into into properly feeling like they are their bond as opposed to just they fit the template well. Camille's great. I think Camille's a great Camille character. Camille is very good. Great Bond girl, very modern Bond girl, and I like the fact that they, that that they don't sleep together. I think yeah, it's a nice, that's really nice. It's it's distant. I think they treat each other as equals. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of compassion and a lot, actually quite a lot of love, albeit probably more sort of like fraternal love between the two characters that, 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 that I really, that I really appreciate and really enjoy. Um, Dominic Green, I mean, I mean, Matthew Armerich is a fantastic actor, right? And, and, and they did well to get him. Uh, and I think it's disappointing that they didn't get, they didn't make and get more out of him. I mean, any Bond villain that operates out of a warehouse in Port-au-Prince is no Bond villain. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know, you need a complex, right? Well, You've got to have a complex. I don't know. He had a hotel in the desert. I mean, let's face it. But it wasn't even his hotel. Well, let's face it. I mean, like if in, if in his warehouse he was he was dissolving cocaine into gasoline. Or, you know, well, would you, would you have had a bit yeah, more? No, 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 no. I mean, that was the name of the character in in in, in License to Kill, Sanchez. played by no, not Sanchez, but the, no. but the uh, you know, who played by Robert Zerb, Crest. Crest. <laughs> That's who he is. Oh, yes, so he's he a is. he's a secondary <laughs> Bond villain. It's it's just it's just somewhat disappointing. But then yeah. again, that's what that's what the Shifra is, though, isn't it? Yeah, true. But that's and that's the real and I guess problem that's with where Green they're thinking is. of, isn't it? And yeah. the good problem with Green is he's not the Shifra. And, yeah, and Mads Mikkelsen just delivers a much better. Yeah, but, but the setup. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen benefits from the setup. In of course, he does. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. this elongated poker game between to set up this tension. Yeah, well, the whole the film is, and then game. there's yeah, the torture yeah. scene as well. The yeah. whole. I mean, it's just like there's and none of that. There's no, yeah, and the fight like, scene at the end is completely unconvincing. It's as rubbish. Well. It's completely rubbish with the exploding <laughs> building. This man, <laughs> a room full of bombs. It's like how do we have <laughs> all these bombs? What what is this? I mean, I know they get away with a lot in Bolivia, but really, God. <laughs> Right. I mean, oh yeah. Like, well, 
Hello, I'd like to speak to the Bolivian Minister of Building Regulations, please. Don't hang any pictures on these walls. <laughs> you, really, you, don't really, you don't really want to drive a nail into these walls. <laughs> I mean, it's like the wall, the, 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 the paint is like explosive or something like that. But it's a shocking, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's a completely unconvincing because, I mean, like everyone knows James Bond could have Dominic Green in, in, with his finger, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that, it, but... Yeah, these are the other reasons why the film fails. But I think that, unfortunately, Dominic Green doesn't get the opportunity to enjoy enough screen time with James Bond to be able to build up that kind of, that kind of connection and that kind of engagement. And he doesn't have a henchman as well. No, he's got that weird guy with the bowl with, haircut. Yeah, with the, with the, well, with the, with the loves, bowl wig. Yeah, I mean, right. I, although, although, I mean, this is, again, and this is one of the movies, what, reasons why I like the film, is that during the opera, yeah. you know, he turns around and he looks at one of the other henchmen with his look of, like, you know, he's clearly moved by what he's yeah. watching. <laughs> and that's just looking at him and saying, well, uh, you know, well, I mean, we can all probably imagine what he's, what he's <laughs> thinking. And it's a really nice moment. And again, you don't see this in James yeah, Bond yeah, films. Yeah. And I do like that. I like I like to see that. It's fre- it's refreshing, but it's just. I think if this had been made another time, uh, Green would perhaps have been more like a Scaramanga. I think. Yeah. Uh, someone. Yeah. Someone who who thinks he knows more about geopolitics than, than doesn't, or, or else if it was made now, he'd be more like a Musk, wouldn't he? Really. He would be Musk. I yeah. think that again, yeah. that's for me part of the the problem with the film because it, there's a lot I actually don't dislike Green as a character and we've done a lot of we've done a lot on villainry yeah. we certainly have we did a whole world cup a whole, on it, didn't we? whole world cup of villainry and we, we spoke quite kindly of him if I remember yes even though he didn't rate very well but he's also <laughs> like there's no problem with That's having a, a, um, a, a Bond villain who is you know physically not Bond's equal or, or is there more of a kind of string pulling behind the scenes it's fine we've talked with you know, a lot of Ertzatz Blofelds mm, yeah. have come through totally. yeah. and you know it, looking back he's perfectly believable as a kind of as a number four mm. say in the organisation yeah, and it wouldn't, it's not out of place for Bond to you know to take on number four's evil plot for mm. the world at all so th- there's a lot that's in there I, yeah, like you I was really wishing that um he got more more screen time with Daniel Craig and it's frustrating because again like the rest of the film you can see what this character could have been Mm. if they just had a bit more time with him Mm. Mm. so much unfulfilled potential about this film and I think that that's the thing that is the thing isn't it yes there there is can we talk about um, Vespa we can can we talk about this the Vespa subplot Mm. yes because this is another reason why unfortunately I think the movie doesn't falls down because it is clearly also a direct sequel to Casino Royale Mm. and it's carrying over the themes from the previous movie and one of which obviously is Vespa literally carries the theme doesn't it in the music in the in the music well yes no and there's some lovely moments when they use the same they they use the same cue the same theme Vespa's theme but the movie doesn't doesn't engage with Vespa as much as it should do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got it's obvious. It, 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 there's there's not a, a, we we we're being reminded rather ham-fistedly about James Bond's pain, like on the plane on the way over when he's drinking all those cocktails, which is very very impressive by the way. And that's a lovely scene mm. with Mathis, but it, it it doesn't. You need you need almost need to have to have the ghost of Vespa over James Bond's shoulder in this movie. 
Yeah. Not literally, obviously, that would be stupid. But you need to be able to have Vespers. That's presence what, that's, needs to be that's felt. what Mathis is there for, yeah. though, isn't it? Because, yeah. Because because Mathis and um, and Vesper do have some great scenes in there. Absolutely. When he's doing his John Burgo bit, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's great that he's in this because he he does. He's great and, in it. I and know, he is needed. I'm really this. really annoyed with the, what happened to that character. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, but 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 it's but it, it, for me it isn't enough. It's still compartmentalized. And they're just, for me, that doesn't, and I know I've got that postscript at the end of the movie where he goes to confront, you know, Vesper's um, uh, former lover. And, and But, I mean, it, it's too compartmentalised, it's too episodic, it's not consistently run through the film. There's mm. moments in this movie where you kind of forget about all of that, and I feel that, you know, if it's for it to have been an effective sequel, then I think it, that, then, then more work needed to be done there. And I think that's where the, the movie fails as well. And I think that's more of a fundamental failure, because that's literally the one of the reasons why the movie was made I mean that, you know, to, in order to, to, to carry that on and I, I'm a, I just feel that that just that not enough work was done in that area you guys may disagree with me but I mean that's certainly my my opinion no I mean Graham I was I was actually thinking that the there's a lot of elements that we can take out of this film and the Vespa being one of them that would be perfectly fine if you were going for a you know a 10-part TV series to binge oh but yeah as trying to push it all into one film is either you know they could have gone long or they could have gone short or they could have gone over multiple films and instead they've kind of done none of the above yeah it, it, the, the whole the whole film is like a previously on Bond <laughs> it it, it, it it is obviously voiced by John Virgo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like because it's so short and so condensed and so rushed, it feels like an epilogue to yeah. Casino Royale rather than the sequel. Yeah, and, and we talked as well, Graham, about Casino Royale. Basically, the last half hour of Casino Royale should have been the first half hour of Quantum of Solace. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah. Then yes. you'd have had probably a slightly different film. Yeah. Overall, because tonally, it would have given you a lot of. Of shifting. So would it have worked better, maybe, if if the the opening reel of of um of this film was like the opening reel of Diamonds Are Forever, you know, with like a, a first person uh, him uh, Daniel Craig punching through a load of people in various cities around around the globe? <laughs> it might well have done. <laughs> 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 Yes, I think it would have been much better. <laughs> One chance. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> Making, you can see Dominic Grieger. Making mad pies, double <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, actually, I mean, if they had, I mean, if they, that guy would have been much better as like a Camp Blofeld, totally. He was, he, awesome. that's who he did, that's who he saw Joe, uh, he saw Charles Gray's uh, Blofeld. Yeah, I mean, he that's says, that's what I'm going Because he says he based it on, on Tony Blair. No, he and, didn't. And, and, and Nicolas Sarkozy, but he didn't, he, he totally based it on Charles Gray. <laughs> Charles Gray's Blofeld. <laughs> Yeah. So you didn't realise it was yeah. going there, did you? Oh, we, we did not see. We did not see Blofeld heading it or, or Quantum of Solace heading yeah. in that direction. We always catch you out like this, don't we, Gary? Yeah. You'd, have, you'd have thought you'd have known by now. There's always going to be a left field there. There always is. Yeah, we've got a whole underground lake of takes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, wrong cat. Uh, yes, it's. Uh, Overall, um, Terry, you've got to say this is this is a film that. Where does this actually sit in Bond? Because we've kind of gone. It's not a bad film, but it's not 
a good film, but it's not a Bond film. It, it ticks boxes, but it doesn't tick boxes. Um, there are some truly bad Bond films that, that sit out there. I don't feel this is one of them. No. Frustrating, potentially, but yes. not bad. Yeah, frustrating mm. because of what it promises. And it just doesn't deliver. But as a as a spectacle, uh, as a production piece, well, I, th- I think yeah, I it's think really right. really well yeah. made mm, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it's rushed and the edit is rushed, it's a really beautifully produced film. It's beautifully well, shot. I, great I think, direction. I think the main problem with it is because we can all recognise that there's a fantastic film there. Yeah, yeah, and that's the worst thing. We are tempted by a fantastic film, much like Die Another Day. Even it maps even worse than that because Die Another Day just jumps off a cliff. Mm. This doesn't. This, no, this, no. this falls down down a very sort of steep slope and, yes. and hits itself on, on rocks along the way. You think <laughs> it's going to stop falling, but it's not. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they, they've stepped on one too many rakes. Yes. I think I think it's that bad. No, and that's I the mean, thing about it. it. And it's not a, it's not a rubbish film. It, it, this, is a, this is a three-style Bond film. But there are three style Bond films that are never going to get better. Yes. There, there are three style Bond films that are just there and what they are, and mm-hmm. you know the, the ones that you don't pick up off the shelf. There are those ones, and unfortunately, this sits amongst them. It's not a Bond film that you can revisit and say this needs to be reappraised. Well, no. I know that, people are that... probably starting to reappraise Quantum of Solid because it's been a while now. Yeah. But I don't think I think this film is what it no, is. No, and I think yeah. it's because it's so of its time as well that mm. it's just getting lost. It's dated, and that's what you don't want with a Bond film. You don't want it to date, mm. and this is this one is dating. It's why it's been largely redacted from the from the story arc. No, um, um, that and the fact that Quantum didn't fit in with the yes, with they the suddenly got some rights in there. <laughs> they got the like, rights to Spectre and they had to backtrack, which is awkward. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Very. You, you know your villain risk organisation. Sorry, we don't need you anymore. Yeah. Well, that's that's the sad thing about it as well. I mean, that, that again, that's not the form the film's fault. I mean, if no. we can assume that the film isn't is an entity with its with a, a, a living entity for a few moments, it it it, it suffers from some bad luck mm, yeah. you know I mean it, it's ill-conceived and yeah. it suffers from bad luck and then yeah one of that part of that is that yeah it's Spectre the, the brand the Spectre the organisation suddenly as a, as a narrative and a creative content is now available to Egon again yeah. after years and they go oh right okay well now we have to walk back so it's credibility is further undermined mm. in subsequent movies as well which is, which is also not Quantum of Solace's fault no it probably helped for you know that it wasn't critically well received because it made it easier probably for Eon to go okay well you know what mm. there's always one within each Bond era where people tend to forget it exists and, and we do our best to forget it exists mm. and, and this is probably our film we can and will do better because they obviously learn learn their lessons well from that when they approach Skyfall mm. um, but Graham I mean one of the things I think is interesting you touch on the idea of reappraisal We've obviously come to the end of, of Craig's arc. Yeah. Um, and you, you see how that story arc has developed in there. Mm-hmm. Now that we've come to the end of it, do you look back and go, okay, there, there are elements of quantum which actually play a little bit better when you start kind of taking into consideration where Mr. White ended up, where Vesper ended up, where the, where the whole character you know, narrative ended up by the end of No Time to Die. Does that kind of change things for you at all with Quantum, or, or you still got the same feelings towards it? No, I actually, I think watching No Time to Die helped Quantum of Solace, because I think at the end of Spectre, No Time, uh, yeah, uh, Quantum, Quantum of Solace was 
basically all it was 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 one A4 picture of Green on the in the uh, in the toilets as he was walking around with the, the gutted carcass of yes. MI6 building. Worst Lou advert ever. Yeah. Um, and but then you get into No Time to Die. You've got a, a good scene, a, a fantastic scene uh, with White with the chess table there and everything like that, and that that works very well. Um, we'll talk the, talk about that when we talk about No Time to Die again coming up soon I hope um, and also as well you've got the scene with Felix in, in the bar in an exotic city somewhere somewhere warm um, which is done a lot better and I mm. think that's what you see from Quantum of Solace you see the writers and you see the filmmakers think we could have done that better let's do that again but yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get something more out of this so uh, there are films I don't like in the franchise no, no, I mean, I'm a big, big Bond fan, but there are films that I just really think honk, and and just just make me think, oh god, I'm not, I'm just not getting that off the shelf. Quantum of Solace isn't one of those films. If if this is on ITV4, I'm 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 watching it because there are there is enough in there to keep me engaged. And, and you know, it's not long before you have to go to bed anyway. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's short. short film it's well. short yeah. as well. I mean, I know I'll be able to get up in the morning. However, <laughs> it, 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 the, we're only riffing on it now because it, it is part of the franchise and it promised so much. And I think the thing about it is that that, that it's there in a, in in a good place when, when Bond's in a good place anyway. It's it's not like you know in the in the Brosnan era where Bond just just didn't know where it was. It was lost a bit. And they were making they were making pretty fair stabs at, at at making Bond films when really there was hardly any point to doing it because the distributor didn't like it or they just wanted money out of it and they, they, well, they weren't making great films. They made Goldeneye and everything after that just just deteriorates rapidly. This this promises more and it gets more and they, and that's the best thing about it because we get Skyfall next mm. and then, and then that works brilliantly for everyone. Terry, anything else you'd like to reappraise with the, the film? That well, I'd only like to offer a robust defence of Another Way to Die. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I think that that is I think I think the treatment of that song I think is deeply un- unjust and unfair. The, the edit that used for the credits in the actual movie is is really poor and doesn't do the song justice. But if you listen to the um, to the full version on the album or just you know listen to the full version of that song, it's a really nice chunky James Bond song with good Bondian riffs in it. You know, and and it's got a it's got a reassuringly long intro. There's there's the, I think it's a bit of a doff of the hat to Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang personally. Mm. I really appreciate and like that song, and I think it's been given um, a, a, a rough deal. And I would urge, if you were going to reappraise any aspect of Quantum of Solace, I would urge James Bond fans to reappraise Another Way to Die. And just to, uh, just a word of love for for David Arnold's uh, sound, soundtrack because it's his last one before he gets replaced. Uh, and it's fantastic. Some of the, the themes in that are absolutely amazing. There's some brilliant, brilliant themes. I frequently weave in uh, uh, um, cues from, to, uh, from, from, from this movie into, into other episodes of the Odd Job Pod because I really like this. I thought mm. David Arnold was a magnificent, comp- he's a magnificent composer. Tomorrow Never Dies is brilliant and Quantum of Solace is a fantastic, fantastic score. 
uh, and rates very, very highly uh, among, in, in my opinion. So I just wanted to add something a little bit about those and, and give some love to that and add some, you know, Bond authenticity to mm. what is quite an unbondian movie. We should also salute the design. I think the graphics, the yes. graphics of this movie are beautiful. The different when they the establishing shots and the graphics there and the mm. fonts that they use, I think is really really nice. And I, although it's irregular to have the gun barrel sequence at the end of the film rather than it is a beautiful gun barrel sequence, and I love the way it stretches out and forms out to the tomorrow to the, to the title of the of the movie as well. Quantum of Solace, and, and I love the way that they put that at the end there, just to sort of, I don't know, maybe to remind people that they've just watched a James Bond film, <laughs> but it's just a little bit offbeat, and yeah. I like that. And that's, that's that when I'm well disposed to this movie, these are things I really like and appreciate about that, about this film. I really like, yeah, it's just a, it's offbeat, it's different, it's just about a James Bond film. But yeah, everything, not rushing to take away everything, the, the, the criticisms that we've set, that we've had of it. But it just, you know, it, it's a really enjoyable, really high quality piece of cinema and a good action romp. It certainly is. Uh, Gary, I, I, I feel a bit bit bad now because mm. I, I think we've, we've put this down a bit and I think we've, we've, yeah. we've, we've pointed out a lot of negative things about it. And this is a film you actually really like. It so, is, so yeah. do do you feel like we we put you through the ringer for the last hour or so? Not at all. I no. mean, okay. not 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 at all compared to some of our, our other uh, differing views on on certain <laughs> films <laughs> that have happened in the past. <laughs> I I appreciate that this is a a very flawed film, um, but I also appreciate that it's a very watchable film as well. Even when things are, are, are sagging a little bit, it does enough to keep you in there. It is not a, you know, it's not an end of days Brosnan, which, you know, I'm mm. not great and, and really can be quite a tough watch. It's not The Man with the Golden Gun, which is a film which, ah, oh God, if you're talking about frustrating, that's a frustrating film oh, because God, they yes. wasted Christopher Lee mm. in, yeah. in what should have been a fantastic film. It, it's a film that, you know what they're trying to do with it. You you can see, and I think for me, you can for, you either forgive the flaws that are in there and you enjoy it on its own terms or it really, really irritates you. And if you're one of those people who um, it really, really irritates you, I'm not going to say that you are wrong because I can completely see why you would. If you went into this wanting to watch a James Bond film and came out going, what have I just watched? That's a perfectly valid view. Totally. But coming out of this film and going, yeah, I don't think you can uh, you can kind of go, this is objectively a, a bad film. It's just a different film. Whereas, and I've not changed my view, whereas I know we will get Spectre in a, in a few pods time. Mm. That's a film which I came out enjoying the first one and on subsequent rewatches, I've really not enjoyed yeah. anywhere mm. near as much. Totally. Whereas this film, I think I came out probably maybe not enjoying it as much as Spectre. But it stayed at a very similar level for totally. me all throughout. In, in, it's a film that has a lot to recommend it. It is very watchable. And again, I think it plays back to a lot of my likes, which are, you know, I love good spy films. And this is a good spy mm. film, mm. objectively. I really like, you know, the novels of Le Carre. I think this, you know, fits in really, really well. You look at... You know, some of my other favourite films that, that kind of sit within, um, you know, sit, sit within kind of my, my favourites that fit in the back. And, you know, you've got things like Day of the Jackal, which is one of my favourite films. 
I, there's almost elements you can kind of take from into there of, of those, you know, Frederick Forsyth mysteries as well. There's a lot that I like about it. And yeah, I, for me, it is just slap somebody different than Bond in it. And I would love this film. I would absolutely love this film as it is. I like it, but I recognise for it for what it is not within there. Yes. So that's that's my not very blistering hot take. It's <laughs> somewhere on the same fence that Graham was at the start. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that 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 sums it up perfectly. Really, you, it, you, it, but I, I think what 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 you, you you've said is is the fact that this promises so much, and and you can see that the the seeds of it were there, and yeah. and everyone was everyone involved in it could have helped out to, to produce that film. They just it, it was just rushed out. And yeah. it's Sony's fault, and Sony, you know, the people responsible for VAR in football, <laughs> they are there. They are the ones who are responsible for it. Sony have never achieved anything of value on this planet with the exception of the PlayStation. Mm. What has Sony ever done for us? Well, uh, actually, uh, actually uh, into, the, into the multiverse. All right, okay. Yeah. Yes. All right, into the Spider-Verse, you mean? Yeah. yeah. All right, fine. But beyond so the PlayStation. PlayStations and into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah. That is all awesome. Everything else to do with, 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 with what, they, what they did with, with Spider-Man pretty much honks, but... Yeah. Yes, but yeah. into the Spider-Verse <laughs> is an absolute masterpiece and the joy of a film. Yeah. As is this film. But yeah, but the only thing is, that what, all I would add to what you said, Gary, and everything you've said is absolutely right. The only thing I would add is that it, 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 it's a surface level. Yeah, the all of those things like Ludlam, Le Carre, Dayton, all of that stuff—they they go deep, they go deep, yeah. and 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 they're, and they're challenging. And and Conan Sod doesn't really do that. Conan Sod challenges the audience in a way that Bond films don't do. Yeah, but unfortunately, we just—you just think, well, if you're going to make a film like this, then go ahead and make a film like this. You know, don't just just skim the surface. Yeah. And that's the only thing I would say. But my God, it's a totally watchable film. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's totally. Tons yeah, it's of totally. films that I mean, are worth. If, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make a, if you're gonna make a bad Bond film, make a bad Bond film when you're trying to tell a different story, not when you're trying to say, like just making a film about stealing satellites or nuclear missiles or, or invisible cars or invisible cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just do, just yeah. yeah. Come up with something. Yeah, or have a denouement on an oil rig <laughs> <laughs> or, or just have you know, or escape Dom- from Vegas in drag Dominic Green never escaped from Vegas in drag yeah. and maybe that's this film's problem <laughs> yes actually you could imagine that actually the scene where the, where the, where the Secret Service guy like ends up on, on, on the bonnet of his car if he'd been in the back seat in drag that would, <laughs> that would be that, amazing that would have- <laughs> Yeah, if yeah, they'd suddenly dragged him up just to get him out of the building, that would have been nuts. So, that's why they don't yeah. put us in charge of things. No, no, well, I'll tell you one thing, though, that I'll, I'll finish off as a thought. If I was in charge of, of everything in general, one thing that I would commission, that I would love to see, would be a mini-series on a streaming service solely focusing on the adventures of Mathis. <laughs> yes. 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 Now there's a character that would be a great character. And yeah, that what a shame. Kill what the, uh, I would have loved for Mathis to be yeah. all throughout the Craig era. I was that this is the bit that actually most annoys me about Quantum of Solace is the killing of Mathis because yeah. he is by far and away one of the best characters of the Craig era 
and I want to watch more Mathis. So mm. please, if you and know, it, and it, uh, give me a give me a mini series. If of you're going to if you're going to kill a character like that, then you have to have the emotional payoff that goes with it. And unfortunately, I just don't believe that that happened because no. this film is too shallow. So I mean, that's that was that was bitterly disappointing what happened to, to Mathis. I mean, it, it does happen to guys like Mathis, you know. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I mean, he's the ultimate Kerry and Bay, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, we all we all wept when Kerry and Bay died, and I still weep. Actually, weep, but you know, oh, you know. Yeah. The, I, I, I think it's, I, it's awful when Karen, but I feel it when Karen Bay dies. But for this, I just think, oh, it's just such a waste. It just doesn't feel, you know, that just doesn't feel right at all. But anyway, yeah. we could, we, 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 we're getting into the reeds here. I suspect with this, we certainly uh, you know, are. Something that Quantum of Solace decidedly did not do. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. He joins for me the, um, the list of, of. Um, semi not minor but not major characters that I wish we'd seen more of so I'll put him down should, on that same a, list when, as, we're, when yeah. we're done doing these we'll do a special on Bond allies yes. Bond allies Bond yeah. allies yeah, yeah usually the older, the oh, old, do, the older yeah, guys is it going to be Bond allies R.A.P the, the ones yeah, that you die yeah. Yeah. <laughs> although I would like to put uh, General Pushkin Oh well, we, we can have I two would love more yeah. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's our podcast. And Google, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we'll put we'll put it in the diplomatic bag. Good way to write the podcast. It is indeed. Um, so, I, this is one where I, I mean, normally when I say please tell us your thoughts, I, I'm always basically ready to say please tell us your thoughts if you disagree with us, but you'll probably be wrong. On this case, I don't think for any listener at all, any opinion you have on Quantum of Solace, I think oh, we've established is, is largely valid. It's the valid. correct one, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. I, I, mean, I, I would yeah. love this to land in whatever subreddit there is of Quantum of Solace fans. Oh. Um, the, the, Maybe the... we need to start r slash quantum. <laughs> yeah, we just drop it in ourselves. Can we, can yeah. we do that? Is that allowed? Reddit? I don't it's know. So probably already there. <laughs> it's probably already there. It's probably still... a very active community. Well, Thank you very much. Still, yeah. still recording and it's already dropped. Yeah. Sat there going, right, where do we need to go? Where, where were they recording? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're recording at Graham's house. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway... Please let us know your thoughts. Do start up a Reddit, a subreddit, if you want about uh, about this. I'm sure uh, if one does not exist already, uh, and you can leave comments on Facebook. Um, are we are we still on X? I don't know. Well, no, reluctantly, sort of, yeah, reluctantly on yeah. X. Well, you can you can leave a comment on X uh, if you want. Facebook would, would probably be a better place to be. Or and you know just uh, if if you know somebody who is uh, having problems with Quantum of Solace and, and is a Bond fan, then you know maybe they might find something. Maybe they may resolve issues by listening to this podcast, and it might put them at peace. Just the same as as Terry and Graham spent you know about what four years working through my family issues with with the denouement of Moonraker. Maybe this will do the same for somebody else. So um, please do share this around um, and, and help out somebody who potentially has has Quantum of Solace issues. Um, but the Odd Job Pod will be back. Uh, it will be back to our normal routine of uh, of early mornings and late nights as uh, as I fly back to Australia, which uh, probably needs a Bond film. I, I still think that they should have a Bond film at some point that visits Australia and spends time in there. Yeah, that's true. Very it's true. Not happened, yeah. it? no, yeah. Nothing in the thrilling cities, really, at yeah. all. And there's a lot of thrilling cities, and 
Yeah. Yeah, desert outback, so you can, you you perfect place for it. Um, well, maybe the Sydney, the Australian Tourist Board haven't stumped up enough dough. Well, <laughs> they, made, <laughs> they made Thor: Love and Thunder out there. They did, and they made Mission Impossible Two out there. They as well. did. Yeah, you know, so did. they've got a lot to atone for. They certainly do. Yeah. <laughs> See that Australia. See what you've done. Do better, Australia. Do better. Really hard to believe this is the country that gave us a picnic at Hanging Rock. <laughs> Pretty shocking. Pretty shocking decline. Actually, yeah. <laughs> or the club, or the club for that matter, yeah, and indeed Mad Max. Yeah. Sort yourselves out, my my adopted country. Um, <laughs> until then, uh, we bid you farewell uh, and good night. And uh, please uh, do tune in for the next podcast. And if you haven't watched Quantum of Solace, do. Um, and if you're going to Australia, harangue the border guards about not producing a good uh, good action movies. Until then, goodbye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be allowed back in the country now, am I? <laughs> That's a bootable offence, I'm <laughs> That's a massively bootable offence, though. Sort yourself out. Trudeau, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Trudeau. I feel like...